Welcome, everybody, to Heads and Tails Podcast, the premier podcast where we sit and we talk about spirits and all sorts of fun stuff, Warren. It's the premier podcast. It's the premier podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been using that word a lot lately, and uh, I think I, I really like it. Hmm. Because it means that that we're what does it mean that we're a- average? I think right. Oh, I thought it just meant that this was the first show. No, like you know, not the world premiere, not the premiere, but the premiere. There's a difference. I think so. Isn't it like um, like patron patronize, where you patronize an establishment, or I can be I can patronize Beverly, for example. Oh, I think it's like that. Okay. I don't one, know. One word that has two meanings. Well, yeah, just depending on how you say it. Well, don't you say it the same? Well, but like, you know, inflection or con- context, I guess, is what I meant. Sure, yeah. So <laughs> anyway, like what I said, it's, definitions. Sure, it's the premiere podcast, everybody. And today we have in the studio, I want to I remind everybody that sometimes we're important enough to get people in the studio. Right. Yes. And I appreciate and this. I'm pretty sure this person actually has a distillery. We didn't just <laughs> let somebody in the studio with That's us. true. Yeah, we have random guy number one. We have Lenny Eckstein... From Deer Hammer Distilling out in Colorado, Buena Vista, Colorado. Lenny, welcome to the show, dude. Thanks, man. Pleasure to be here. And let me correct you on that. It's pronounced Buena Vista, Colorado. Oh. Despite uh, the proper English. Buena Vista? What are you wow. putting your arms up? Ben hits me and then <laughs> yeah. and then throws me the touchdown sign. Queen of pronunciation over here. Yeah. Remember that time I, I like called... you take his mic when there's three <laughs> mics that you could grab. Whatever, but... this one was hot. All right. Wow. Remember that time I called uh, Buena Vista Street in Disneyland Buena Vista? Yeah. Yeah. Because you were dumb. Because I nailed it. No. Wait, why is it Buena Vista? That's a mispronunciation. Yeah, yeah. It actually ties into uh, our distillery. In a, in a roundabout, long story way, but the short right. story. Well, that's what you're here for. So yeah, it's Dayer Hammer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Actually, give this me the history true. of the town. Yeah. So uh, one of the original residents, a German woman by the name of Alcina Deerhammer, uh, she named the town Buena Vista. Uh, okay. German accent, thought it sounded Whoa. nice, beautiful Buena Vista. That's the lore. The Germans. Uh, yeah. Cultural right. appropriation. Figures. Yeah. If anybody's gonna do it, it's the Germans. <laughs> I like this, but it could be a lot better. Yeah. Buena Vista. Right. So if we ever go and visit, you don't want to ever hear like a tourist. We should say Buena Vista. We should fit right in. Then people go, oh, you're local. Oh. Oh. Yeah. You could say Buni. Uh, you could shorten it to BV. That's the uh, PC B- version. Buni. Yeah, Buni seems very like Colorado-ian, right? Like uh, kind of outdoorsy. I don't know. Like, be, like It's just more hippie. Yeah. Buni. Well, head up to Buni for a bit. Shred some Gonna gnar. Gonna wax my board. Yeah. Then head up to Buni. Get some gnar on the pal. <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> I totally know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, I don't know, man. Whatever. Well, thanks for coming. What are you doing here? You didn't come here for this. I did. No. no. I, I did. Yeah, yeah. Okay. You're like doing <laughs> stuff. Did. Okay. All right. Honestly, yeah. I, was, um, I, uh, I am. You know, Deer Hammer's been around for a while. We've yeah. been in Colorado uh, distilling and distributing since, uh, you know, around 2011. And California's the first state we're going into with distribution. And, oh, nice. Uh, yeah, awesome. I, I had this uh, grand idea to skip out before our busy tourist season in the summer uh, at the distillery. And, okay. You know, take a road trip, just see what the landscape was like and, uh, you know, what the appetite was for craft whiskey. And uh, when I got an email from you guys that you had an opportunity to get in here, I decided to uh, head north instead of south right away. And oh, nice. This way and check it out. Awesome. Uh, yeah. Are you going to be hitting up some uh, some places to potentially pitch your Because there's a ton of stuff up here for craft spirits in general. I mean, San Francisco, oh, yeah. I think they just opened 
in the last day, they opened 100 gin bars. So you can go there. That's great for craft whiskey. <laughs> yeah, no, well, you know, uh, the point is that there's a thirst for it. Yes. Um, are you going to hit the city and do all that kind of stuff? Yeah, yeah, right. for sure. I've been out here for about four days. I'm kind of losing track. Uh, okay. Sleeping in a truck camper. So, uh, oh, nice. Yeah, it's okay. pretty awesome. All right. Uh, yeah, a little adventurous. But, um, yeah, definitely visiting spots, seeing what they're all about, trying to, you know, get get our whiskey out there. Um, admittedly, I I'm the shittiest salesman at Deerhead, <laughs> um, but that's okay. You know, I make the stuff. I can talk about it. Why are you so know. bad? Um, you know, you just, just kind of cave and they go no like, hard sell. Like, really. yeah, yeah. Here's a whiskey. What do you think? Cool. I'm out of here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. not into it. Cool, bro. Cool. Yeah. Well, hey, man, if you're ever in BV. Hit yeah, me yeah, up. That's exactly. Puna. Yeah, Puny. Puny. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. If there's no coffee for closers, I get no coffee. <laughs> that's true. Uh, well, it's Herba Mate, so, you know, it's it's uh, fine. Uh, no, but what is what is the scene like? What have you found out up here in, in Northern California? Um, well, you know, there's definitely fewer distilleries in California, in a sense, uh, mm-hmm. per capita than Colorado. Sure. So, uh, you know, Colorado's got a really great scene, and there's some amazing craft distilleries happening. Um, and... I, God, by no means is the market saturated, but it is really refreshing to be in another state, um, just you know, pouring our stuff for folks, for people who've yeah. never heard of us. And right. you know, we pride ourselves on creating whiskeys with uh, a, a slightly uh, you know left of center profile than the standard style. Uh, so to pour that and see surprise on someone's face is kind of cool versus someone who's tasted it already or tried it at a party or tried it at a distillery. So. Yeah. Are you, are you just going to bars or are you hitting up like liquor stores? And how does that whole, how do you break into a market in something like this when you're the, you're the guy doing everything? How do you, how do you figure out what roads to, to kind of go down? I don't know. I'm still. <laughs> Great well, question. hey, that's the show, everybody. Yeah. No, uh, <laughs> I'm still yeah. working. Yeah, okay, all no, right. No. Well, what's your approach? How do you? Yeah, so uh, we don't have uh, these huge ambitions of like steamrolling the market, making Deerhammer the biggest brand where you're gonna see billboards and. Yeah, yeah, good. Because you know, those are weird. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, yeah, <laughs> and, and we don't have the budget for it. We're a small distillery, intentionally so, and uh, you know, as I mentioned, we've been in Colorado for a long time, and. It's not that we can't push more, but we're ready to check out another state and trickle it in there. So if we can find the really cool bottle shops and the cool bars who just give a shit and want yeah. to try neat new stuff, uh, you know, we, we we specialize in American single malt, and that's gaining a lot of traction. So, you know, it's really cool to go to a bar and see them give a shit about American single malt. Um, so we're just trying to pick really good partners scattered around a bit, and uh, we figured we'd go into a state that we want to visit. and. I'm getting tired of cold Colorado winters, so I like coming out here in the winter. Uh, <laughs> so it's about vacationing. A little oh. bit of that, yeah. Hey, man. Working I, less. Yeah, I think that's what you got to do mm. when you're on your own business. <laughs> right. Well, you know, you've listened to the show, right? You're a longtime Brewing Network listener, the longest which is time, cool. Yeah, Damn. yeah, it's an honor to be here. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's been, it's crazy. I mean, there's a few things that have been tremendously impactful in pushing us towards deer hammer and distilling and... Uh, the Brewing Network was honestly really one of them. It, there you know, we go. I, I, I had been listening from back in the day originally and, you know, really taking my homebrew progression further and more seriously to the point of, uh, like, I'm sure a lot of folks who, you know, tune into you guys and have over the years to obsessiveness. And I would, you know, get up before work at like 4.30 in the morning to brew a batch of beer and then leave work early to brew another batch of beer. And, uh, you know, I, I was making insane amounts. And if it wasn't right, or even if it was right, I was just dumping kegs of beer down uh, my toilet and, uh, <laughs> because like, I didn't have room for it. And, and the right. idea was like just to, uh, you know, like I don't know what perfection is or the best is, but it was about honing those skills and learning new things. And, and that's such a important thing to bring to distilling that 
you know, I, I really respect a lot of the folks who have that brewing tradition that can bring that. There, there's so much to learn from grain handling. And, and so did you did you go right into commercial distilling from home brewing, or did you were you yeah. become a professional home, or professional brewer before? Uh, I almost became a semi-professional brewer. I uh, <laughs> I, I was living in Golden, um, you know, over okay. the Coors Brewery. And There's I, a small uh, brewery in Golden that I've heard about. Yeah, 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 real small. And that, but there is a small one. There's, there's a little. Yeah, Warren, you tried to joke about it, but it's actually real. <laughs> How do you know what I was talking about? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, now there's, there's a little spot in Golden called Golden City Brewery, and okay. I contemplated taking like a, an assistant brewer job there. And uh, you know, the current assistant distiller, this guy Ted, uh, we were sitting there during the sacrification rest, and he started talking about how you, you know, if you have all the homebrew equipment, you could easily enough. Uh, clamp, you know, clamp on a column, and I, I didn't understand what he was talking about. Like, yeah, you can clamp on a column, and you can make whiskey. And in my right. mind, like immediately, I just stopped. Like I zoned out of what he was saying. I was like, I can make whiskey. Like, <laughs> that sounds fucking awesome. Man, if you were on a sitcom, it would be like the the it would be warbly, and it would start to spin. Right. The, the the camera would start to spin, and you would just get wavy, and then mm-hmm. be daydreaming, and you have overalls and. <laughs> I don't know. Not sure yeah. what he would be doing, but he's yeah. making whiskey. Yeah, Lenny, Lenny, and then it would Le- snap back. Huh? <laughs> the mash tun needs to get emptied out. That's true. Damn it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but that was like one of the big, uh, you know, pushes towards that. And, and there was actually another one that ties back to you guys. Uh, a bazillion years ago, you had uh, an episode with a dude from BJ's, M- Mustafa? Yeah. Mufasa. 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 Yeah, yeah, okay. so, <laughs> And him and, uh, I think it was Doc or somebody. Uh, Probably. You guys, they, they were talking about uh, the single malts they enjoyed. He mentioned Oban and a mm-hmm. bunch of others. And I'm listening mm-hmm. to this. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, I, I don't drink any of this. I do, just do shots of Jameson or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and if these guys who I know know their shit and have good palates who I respect are saying that this is worth a shit, uh, mm-hmm. I, I should check it out. And, uh, you know, immediately I just started buying bottles. and mm. um, It happens, man. And, and, and if you're anything like... like what I imagine Warren is like, but I, I don't really know. But if you're anything like me, it happens quickly. Yeah, like yeah. suddenly those bottles, or the, you swear they're multiplying in your cabinet. Yeah. Soon yeah. you need a second cabinet. And then your <laughs> wife tells you you have a problem when you need a third cabinet. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Well, thankfully, I, I have a supportive wife and a, a large cabinet. And uh, uh, Damn, you have neither. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Warren. I have two large cabinets. <laughs> damn. Yeah, but it, it progressed pretty fast from there. Yeah. You know, it was like just taking that passion for... For making things, you know, prior or, or all along, uh, I was uh, I was a graphic designer, and I sat behind a computer and mm. um, you know made things that didn't really exist in the real world. Um, you know, maybe they had a nice aesthetic, but they were annoying to people because they were advertisements. Um, Inherently, like it's almost like being a lawyer. Yes. Where people are like God, whatever you do is fucking annoying. It's yeah. good, and I love, but it's like it's it's also really annoying. And I don't I rather... like that it works. And <laughs> yeah, I don't like right. that I like looking at it. Yeah, advertising is very much that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. And uh, and whiskey is not. Whiskey is about you know sharing and great experiences and yeah. memorable times. Mm-hmm. And I just felt very drawn to that. So uh, you know, it just spiraled up or down from there. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, there wasn't a lot of uh, you know, like if it was. Uh, if it was a swimming pool, uh, four feet deep, rather than you know dipping toes in, I just cannonballed in. Yeah. And, uh, what so is that about spirits? That that, that I mean, because beer, I don't think you can really parallel that with beer or even wine. I feel like spirits are its own like uh, kind of category of you get into it and you get into it hard. Because I I think wine you're you're sort of already priced out if you want to really start like bottle 
like chasing, right? Okay. In beer, you have one bottle or one, or one can, and you drink it, and you post about it on Instagram, and then it's mm-hmm. done, and then it's over. But spirits, you can keep that bottle for months or even years and break it out. Like I have a, I have a friend who has tons of bottles, and sure. he flushes them with argon and tastes it every year or so, and and treats it kind of like a fine wine. But I think spirits just are are in their own kind of universe as far as how how aggressively people collect mm. the bottles. Am I making shit up, or is that semi-accurate? Well, for I me, think, it is, for sure. Oh, I, yeah. I never got into beer with the same, like, collecting or, or, or acquisition uh, zeal as I did with spirits. That's true. I, I I am way more inclined to impulse buy a whiskey that I haven't seen before <laughs> yeah. than I have right. a beer that I haven't seen before. For yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's definitely a big thing. You know, folks have, like... Yeah, but I think it, it it happens in beer. You know, all the trading and like oh one, yeah, one upsmanship. Uh, sure, but you have but you have but you see what I'm saying, right? You have that yeah. one beer. You get that one beer that you've been chasing, and then you and then you eventually have it at some bottle share, or whatever. And you have two ounces of it, and then everyone claps you on the back, and then that's it. Yeah, but you keep. But with a spirit, you have you know what seven hundred fifty mils of it or whatever, and and it will change over time. It's it's a very it's just a different thing. It's you know, a different vibe funny practice with uh, bottles that folks do. I haven't done this, but, you know, when they get to the very bottom and there's maybe an inch left, uh, they'll dump it into another and refer to it as their infinity bottle and uh, would be quite disgusting with beer. Yeah, yeah. well, right. <laughs> well, they call that Jersey Turnpike. <laughs> okay. uh, there's a guy on uh, on uh, Dr. Homebrew, one of my co-hosts on another show, uh, Brian Cooper. He'll take bottles of, like, uh, any leftover bottles that we have from the show or stuff people give him or whatever, and he has a, a five-gallon carboy. That's soured, and he'll just dump that in there. He'll just dump different stuff. Or if he has dregs of a bo- of a sour beer, he'll dump that in there. And he he brought some to the show once. It's not as bad as you would think. I mean, they're not like you know people like a half drank beer or whatever, right? Uh, but uh, you're the second person to talk about that kind of Solara method, I guess, or whatever. Of you have an ounce or two in a bottle, what are you going to do with it? You just you add it to another bottle and kind of just keep going that way why wouldn't you just, just drink, drink it, yeah, I drink <laughs> it. <laughs> well i mean there's also that but i guess if you go oh i don't know let's yeah. uh, figure it out i don't know it's fascinating uh what people do with spirits i don't know spirits I, i'm still trying to figure it out you know i think also a uh, interesting thing about spirits that you don't do with wine or beer is the fact that you can make cocktails Cocktails are a thing, and so people drink the spirit. Wait, what? Yeah, have you heard of cocktails? Well, yeah, but you keep asking me if I want to go get cocktails, and I thought you were just being dirty. (laughs) Oh, well, that too. Okay. We can do both. Hell yeah. (laughs) Yeah, well, beer beer cocktails, I feel like they tried to make a thing, and it never really caught on because people like, this is stupid. (laughs) This is seriously stupid. Yeah. Unless you do it, in which case, Lenny, then I appreciate it. I think it's a great (laughs) craft. No, I don't do it. Anymore. Yeah, <laughs> I did yesterday. Yeah, okay. Well, you know, there you go. Um, I did a uh, the the last. Uh, I guess you can call it. Let's call it a beer. Air quote beer and cocktail um, or beer and spirit uh, cocktail. I had was at a a bar where we took um, a shot of uh, Fireball and added it to a cider. And then you drank, and it was actually really delicious. Yeah, I mean, we you know we came from a tiki bar, so it was like you know last you know let's go get a final drink. Hey, so they have cider. Hey, they have fireball. Guess what? We're gonna, <laughs> this is going to be a terrible Bart ride yeah. home. Yeah, that, that was a yeah. mistake, probably. No, it was good, man. Oh, it was okay. good. Uh, I mean, you know, it's look, whenever you're in a gay bar, Warren, 
<laughs> when in Rome. Yeah. Well, when le- Rome's le- inside you. Legitimately. <laughs> so they were having a drag uh, drag contest in the oh. other room. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, fascinating. So did you participate? I won. <laughs> what are you talking about, dude? <laughs> I drug my friend through. Hey, let's drink something. Lenny, what do you want to drink, man? We're gonna, you want to do this? Uh, let's do it in reverse order, or as I call it, Beverly order. We can do it in the Beva order. So it's actually from right to left. Uh, we're going to start with the American single malt. Right. Yeah. So uh, just you know, to talk a little bit about our American single malt, that's really what got Deerhammer going. And uh, you know, it, it's kind of cool to be here and to be able to talk about it from the, uh, the brewing tradition. Um, if you guys are familiar with, uh, if I remember this correctly, I believe the recipe was. Uh, referred to as Denny Kahn's bourbon venereal vanilla porter. Bourbon venereal disease? Uh, yeah, yes, yeah, yes, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Okay, <laughs> there you go. Oh, more um, Yeah, so, so, yeah, a little history on that. Yeah, I was I was home distilling, which is highly illegal, but highly encouraged. Right. Unless you get arrested, in which case you've never heard of me. No, exactly. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, what I would do, uh, I would... Brew a batch of beer and a uh, 10 gallon batch, five would go to. You're right on that. There you go. You yeah, it. just pull it towards you. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You're good. Yeah. Five would go towards a properly fermented beer and five would go unhopped towards a, a whiskey or a distilled spirit or just new. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, that single malt initially started out as uh, a homebrew recipe. And we since, uh, you know, messed around with it a little bit. It's grain bill now, it's 100% malt barley as a single malt should be. Uh, consists of 80% uh, pale Turo base malt, and then pretty much an even split of chocolate malt, uh, Crystal 45, and Special B. Um, okay. So yeah, almost like a sort of like a stout grain bill. Do you bill. do you do beers at the distillery too, or uh, you know you can't leave that to the side. Like sort of. Um, okay. We can't really do it. We don't have a license to do it. But right. Since our single malt is made very much in a brewing tradition, where we you know, mash in with a properly crushed, uh, you know, bed of grain. Uh, we louder, um, you know, in, in the whiskey tradition, we open ferment from there and we don't hop it. But when we're loudering, we'll pull off like 10 or so gallons and boil and hop it and ferment it cleanly and put it in kegs for us to drink. And uh, Nice. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's fun. It's nice that, to have beer around. Can't drink whiskey all day. <laughs> that's uh, unless true. you microdose. Well, yeah. that's <laughs> right. Uh, I will say, man, your labels are great. Did you design these? Uh, well, interesting story. So I designed our first label, which is not that. And when that was, uh, happening back in 2011, 2010, um, you know, we looked at the craft distilling landscape and tried to understand what was happening and we weren't quite sure. And, you know, being more familiar with the craft brewing landscape, uh, we went, um, for lack of a better term, something very crafty, something that felt very like handmade and papery and, you know, um, that, that isn't. We came to realize that isn't what people wanted. Hmm. Um, in whiskey, it's our opinion that people want more of a precious object, something elevated. If they're going to pay fifty bucks for a bottle, they want it to look like it's a hundred dollar bottle. Yeah, they want there's a, a value perception in packaging. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. I, I, I guess it's not a perception. I guess it's. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, the, these bottles are not not cheap. Exactly. I would imagine, right? I mean, they have a, they have a thick bottom. The paper is great. Yeah. There is a, a, a heft to to the um, the print, you know? Yeah. 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 It's definitely got some nice inks that, like, stand off the paper. Yeah. 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 So, like, with regards to the design, I uh, my skill set was never much on the illustrative side. So, I found another designer to work with, and we bounced things back and forth. And it was fun because I could... You know, I had the background to be able to take his file and push things around a bit and see what he thought. He'd send it back to me. Yeah. Uh, so really talented designer down in Austin, Texas that I work with on these things. And, uh, 
yeah, we're really happy with where uh, where that where that is right now. Yeah, I like it, man. It's good. Yeah. Speaking of of beer, you think I'm going to talk to Warren right now, Lenny? I'm just going to pretend you're not in the room. You think Lenny looks like Julian Trago's twin brother, like Bob Shrago? He looks kind of like Julian. I um, think with like the the you know kind of more diamond shaped face and the I don't know. I think I just, he looks like he looks like Julian, Julian and Matt Bernaldson had a son. <laughs> Damn boy! All right, <laughs> all right. Yeah, I get there. Why? Because he's short. Is that what you're saying? Matt Bernaldson's very short. Hair. Oh yeah, all right. Similar. Okay. All right. Well, hey, look, man. What and, are you gonna and do? Juli- er, and Matt tends to be Tanner. <laughs> well, that's true. Julian has a lot of gray hair also. Yeah. He's old. He's an old dude. Um, <clears throat> American back, single malt Lenny. whiskey. <laughs> so I'm sorry. You were saying that this is kind of based off Denny Kahn's bourbon vanilla porter recipe. Yeah, yeah. Probably okay. Denny. Never met the guy, okay. but yeah. Oh, have, did you ever send him any uh, whiskey? No, I should. Oh, you should, yeah, dude. Yeah, oh, he'd be stoked. Here? I don't know where he is. No, he, he's in Oregon. Oh, okay. And his address is 48... <laughs> <laughs> Seven. No, I, I like giving uh, uh, Denny shit because he likes to jump on this train of like make beer taste like beer again. I'm like, well, that's that's cool. I've been you know I've heard that for a long time. But uh, um, also, okay, Mister Bourbon Vanilla Porter. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, I know, you're right. I'm like, yeah, well, I know. He finally came to his senses. <laughs> and so, what do you mean by uh, American single malt? Right. What's well, American about it? Well, yeah. So uh, most people are familiar with single malt out of Scotland, mm-hmm. Scotch. Yeah. And uh, you know, there's obviously Japanese single malt out there. Uh, there's some stuff coming out of Tasmania from all over the world. Mm-hmm. Um, but our government, the TTB, has yet to recognize the style of American single malt. Uh, but they put up with us and they they tolerate it on the label anyway, which is pretty <laughs> nice of them. <laughs> and. Uh, you know, a bunch of uh, distilleries out there, and there's like a huge amount now jumping on the uh, wagon of making American single malt, thankfully. So, um, you know, the common definition, as most of us are expressing it, is 100% malt barley made by one distillery, made in the U.S., and uh, matured in whatever size oak barrel, uh, new or used. Now, we stick with charred new oak, which is more of a bourbon rye tradition and pretty much an American whiskey tradition. Um, so to your question of what is an American single malt, it's uh, you know very similar to the standards around the world, but we like to do it in charred new oak. Okay. What size barrels are you using? We use 53-gallon barrels, so okay. uh, pretty traditional by most standards in this country. Okay. Um, Did you always use 53-gallon or uh-huh. when you were opening? No, funny story home? about that. Um, so we had a, a terribly... Uh, Annoying fire inspector who <laughs> <laughs> expected us to follow the law. All right. Yeah. Give me citations. Like, I give a shit, <laughs> right. first of all. Let's be clear about that. As I flick my cigarette into the barrel house. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. No, he had an interpretation of uh, what are called uh, MAQs or maximum allowable quantities. And okay. uh, in our case, when we first started, uh, any container that was open and full of distillate could not be in excess of 30 gallons. Um, now, hmm. barrels uh, historically have been exempt from those MAQs, right. and that otherwise you wouldn't be able to store any barrels. <laughs> right. Uh, he had an interpretation that, let's say you had a 53-gallon barrel, and you popped the bung out. Well, now you have an open container. Then it's okay. Right. okay. Yeah, and I, I fought with him. I was like, no, no, come on, man. It's in process. It's going in the bottle. Like, isn't that okay? And uh, he wouldn't have it. Wow. So uh, we went with 30-gallon barrels. Okay. And, and there was, like, a mild upside to that as well as the young distillery. Those smaller barrels, uh, in theory, do kind of mature, do something a little more quickly. Right. Um, and I, I'd say that's true. Like, the very first whiskey we released was eight months old, and it wasn't terrible. 
I mean, okay, <laughs> okay, yeah. all right. I mean, honestly, you sound like a brewery releasing the first beer. Like it was, it was fine. I mean, right. it, it was at, it, at the time. I loved it. Yeah. Right at the time, <laughs> this was the, the yeah, right. It's the apex of what mm-hmm. I could do. But now it's just it's you know. For the first whiskey, it was one of them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but that was the time. I mean, it, you know, we, we were winging it. We were trying to figure it all out. We only had one barrel ready. Um, and, you know, at some point, uh, we had a lot of back and forth with this fire inspector. Uh, we, tr- we brought a grain silo in, and that was like a battle royale of a fight uh, with the town and him. And uh, <laughs> they, they just thought we were going to explode and, you know, wipe oh, out yeah. the town. Because sure. that happens yeah. that all the time. Yeah. Grain anyway. dust explosions. Sure. I, I can't tell you how many news stories I come across every day of entire communities being wiped out from a grain silo explosion. Oh, yeah. I can't, I, 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 I don't even know. I'd yeah. say we even have an epidemic. <laughs> that's, I think. that's pretty true. by Al Qaeda. That's, yes, yeah. yeah. We are did, going to grain. <laughs> it's very good for explosion. Did the how did the fire inspector feel about putting a flammable liquid into a flammable container he of hated. any size? Yeah, mm. he, he didn't. He wasn't on board with any of it. But ultimately, what happened was uh, <laughs> he wasn't on board with shit. <laughs> no, he, right. Did you know if you if, if you put a rag in the bottle and you light on fire and you throw it, <laughs> right. and you could hurt somebody. So you actually not even allowed to be in business. Oh yeah, yeah. it could yeah. happen. Yeah, but ultimately, like with all these back and forths, going to town meetings and talking to the town trustees and, and everybody within code, uh, someone raised the question of why why do we have a fire inspector in our town if the next town over within our county doesn't have one and we just have one county inspector? And the answer was a bunch of shrugged shoulders. And they're like, beat it, Ross. <laughs> you, know, you got, got fired. fired. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so you, your town had a fire inspector and the county had a fire inspector. Yeah. So it was just a redundant job. He yeah. made himself redundant. And the, and the county fire inspector was much more reasonable. I mean, you know, right. we both recognize that, sure, distilling can be dangerous. So yeah. can pumping gas at a gas station. Sure. Be, be careful. Yeah, that's why I do it uh, in my electric suit. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it arcs, too. I hold a taser. <laughs> <Yeah>. I just... <laughs> I just because I want it to end is really yeah. what's happening. I just for you want and it. everybody around you. I'm just ready to go. <laughs> Ride the lightning. Has Ross come to your tasting room after uh, he got no, fired? No, I don't think he's much of a whiskey drinker. I do see him walking his dog, and I feel terrible about it. But he's <laughs> <laughs> like his emotional support animal. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, this whiskey is very good. I can definitely taste the the kind of porter skeleton. Mm-hmm. You know, the, um, the the roasted malts, even maybe some of the caramel malts, although I don't know how much of that's really coming from the barrel or not, but yeah. it's a very good, it's very good, man. Thank you. Yeah, it's uh, it's 92 proof. We're super proud of this one. And uh, for us, it's just, it's rad to be able to be a player in American single malt. Hell yeah. Our thumbprint on what it's all about. Hmm. Do all of your uh, single malts have the same base grain bill or are you mixing it up? No, they do. Yeah, they all have the same base grain bill. Um, I, I would say the only mixing comes into play, um, well, certainly the, uh, you know, marrying barrels together for each uh, release that we bottle. But beyond that, we'll do a few specialty finishes. Uh, I've got one in the lineup today that we'll taste, but, okay. you know, like a port cask finish. Or every once in a while, we'll go into like uh, an ex-beer barrel just for the uh, fun and personal kind of nostalgia oh. of it. Uh, what so is an ex-beer barrel? What, I mean, I guess if it tastes like a Russian Imperial Stout. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, uh, typically a lot of like stout barrels will lend like an extra kind of creaminess, sort of, uh, you know, a different layer of like almost like a chocolate chip cookie kind of note. Definitely mm. like a different character from, uh, I'd say the malts, but like in a way just that, that extra, you know, bready maltiness. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. We, we've, we've done a few that didn't work great, but uh, mm. yeah, it, it's, it's fun. We like going different. We, we've done... Uh, 
recently we put our bourbon, which we're which is coming up next down the line, in a uh, cider barrel from Colorado Cider Company that was a cider fermented with cherries and a uh, a Brett strain of yeast. So oh wow, yeah, oh. definitely some funky stuff going on. Yeah, you guys are playing. Is that that's what this is? Uh, no, or you just did it as a that one's still side a thing, right? Okay, yeah. all right. Yeah, that's interesting stuff, man. Yeah. I feel like that's where. I mean, that's where all this is going, right? You see a lot more barrel-rested gins and, uh, you know, a lot of kind of fun stuff coming out in craft spirits. Yeah. Why not with bourbon? Did, how long, like, with the bourbon, how many batches of bourbon came out before you were willing to risk barrel finishing some? Because what if it doesn't Uh, turn out? (laughs) You know, I I don't have, uh, (laughs) I should say, like, let me let me rewind and go down a tangent a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, when discussing distillery, like every once in a while, people say to me, like, "God, you're brave to have done that," and that's always you're so brave. <laughs> I hear you, but what are you talking about? I don't like, know what I'm doing. I just was like blindly charging into this. It was no bravery. Yeah, and uh, and that's true. I mean, like, and and the same thing with finishing barrels. Like, uh, I don't know. I, I I like to jump off a cliff and find out how to fly later. And uh, you know, I'll, I feel like there's always a way to fix it. And maybe this goes back to like a, a home brewer mentality where, uh, and this might be shit on by some folks, but I would, let's say I made a batch of beer and it was uh, too dry. Well, then mm-hmm. I'd make another batch of beer and change the sacrification rest temperature and make sure that was a little more residually sweet. And then I'd blend together and then I have 10 gallons of good beer. Mm-hmm. And uh, I like to look at that with barrel finishes as well. Okay. Because there'd just be a moment, especially like if it was the first couple batches off the line, mm-hmm. I'd be like, well, I have this. Two plus two to three years straight bourbon that I could sell great as is, or I could risk putting it in this barrel and I don't know what it's going to do for the next six months. Yeah, yeah, there's validity there. I think the harder part, and this is where the business comes in and, and, and where I'm terrible, and thankfully, my wife Amy, who's my business partner and really the brains behind the company, uh, she'll look at it and, and identify the fact that y- you know if we d- divert 25% of it to a specialty finish, then we're going to run out of the original. Mm. And the twenty five percent especially, <laughs> right? So, yeah. so it's great to sell it all, but it's not cool to lose shelf space. So uh, that's always a problem, and, and and thus the business that uh, you know Amy saved me from fucking up. <laughs> so do you get a lot of, or are there kind of like permanent shelf slots, kind of like permanent beer tap panel that you have to worry about? If if say if you ran out of the bourbon, <laughs> you can't just be like, oh well, I have this rye that's also Deer Hammer. Yeah, yeah. You know, we, we have a very interesting dynamic at Deer Hammer, and. Uh, Amy and I are very different people, and uh, we're married, and you know we bring work home all the time, and we have very different opinions. Uh, that's very much her opinion, and and I roll with a more like fuck it, don't let us back on the shelf. Who cares? Let's just knock those other guys off the shelf, <laughs> <laughs> nerds. Yeah, room. you're an optimist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. very aggressive. Last half of whiskey. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, for breakfast. Get out of my territory. I put it on my cereal. It's great. <clears throat> yeah, I like that. That's very good stuff, man. Yeah. Thank you. All right, what's uh, what's next? The straight bourbon whiskey, huh? Yeah, so bourbon is, uh, that's America. I mean, that's what everybody knows. And, uh, you know, it, it's got a huge tradition, mainly in Kentucky, where most of the bourbon comes from. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, this you guys probably know, there's certain qualifiers for bourbon legally. It's got to be 51% corn. Um, you know, it's got to go into charred new oak. It needs to be made in this country, uh, amongst a few other boring things. Man, um, every, I, I've heard I've heard that qualifications like eight times yeah i couldn't tell you you just told me right now i couldn't tell you i could and, and for some reason that kind of shit doesn't stick i don't know why but the definitions are there for so that way you're not confused right you mean it's not working but i don't know it anyways <laughs> i'm not confused by it i just i go oh it's bourbon okay 
Cool. Not, not like this pale ale that I'm drinking. That's really a <laughs> session IPA. <laughs> That's true. That is not a, it's not a PLL. And it's 5.8, which I didn't want anyways. Mm. But so uh, You don't have to know what a pale ale is. You just know what it's not. I know what it's not. So if I drink this bourbon, I don't care if it's this bourbon on here. If it's not a bourbon, then I'll know it. But <laughs> I wouldn't even know that. Right. right. So then what good is it? What good is the What good am I? It's really kind of my point, which is why I pump gas holding a taser. Oh, yeah. An active, engaged taser. You should try again. <laughs> I need to get gas on the way home. Yeah. Anyway, I'm sorry, Lenny. Go ahead. No, no, totally, man. So, so with our bourbon, what we did was, you know, very much. You know, I, I drink a ton of bourbon, and I see what's out there, and I love what's out there. I have a cabinet full of it, but I saw no point in replicating that, and, and that's typically the attitude in craft distilling, you know, because it, it's it's out there already. It's out there already. Yes, right. it's, it's been said by uh, some people in the industry. You're not going to outmakers mark makers mark. You know, they do a fine job, and their whiskey doesn't cost very much. And, uh, right. It or some of it does, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. you know. But in the case of what we put together, it's uh, it's intentfully an unconventional bourbon. It's a departure from what's done in Kentucky. And if you put it side by side with a Kentucky bourbon, be it Four Roses or something from Buffalo Trace or wherever, it's not going to line up perfectly. But there is no other uh, qualifier for bourbon. There's no. Uh, there's no West Coast bourbon or uh, unconventional bourbon. <laughs> yeah. Right. N.E. bourbon. Yeah, hazy or, or bourbon. Hazy bourbon. <laughs> yeah, right, right. That'd be awesome. So w- if we did that, if we if we lined up a Kentucky bourbon and your bourbon, what would be the, the differences traditionally? Yeah, well, uh, a lot of people, myself included, uh, find bourbon to be sweet and mm-hmm. almost in some cases a little cloying and uh, yeah. you know, yeah. not as dry as I'd like. So in our bourbon, we went a lot lower on the corn, which typically is a contributor to some of that sweetness. Uh, we're only at 65% corn. Um, and, and really, like, every facet of the process for formulating this bourbon, we looked at and said, well, where is there room to do something uh, of difference but bring value and bring interest and make something that tastes good? Uh, so with the corn, we identified, uh, you know, locally grown corn down in the Four Corners region of Colorado that's food-grade corn, uh, not typical feed-grade. Um, so in that sense, I think that brings a different flavor profile. We made a weeded bourbon. Well, I should say it's a four-grain bourbon. So grain bill-wise, 65% Colorado corn, 20% Colorado wheat, 10% smoked oats, and 5% chocolate malt. Smoked oats. Wow, okay. Okay. You say the chocolate malt, I get that right now suddenly. As it's kind of opening up, and I took a second sip and kind of let it sit and swish it around a little bit. Yeah, it also has, like you, you mentioned that bourbon can be cloying, and I totally agree with that. This has a, a corn character but it's not corn sugar it's it's just a more like like i guess like more of like the kind of estery almost like husk grain or like yeah it's corn it's, husk it's like uh smelling corn kernels like dried yes, corn that. kernels yeah um yeah kind of yes just like smelling dried for if you ever smelled dried corn right. for whatever um that's yeah. that's the flavor that that i get it's almost Dusty, but in you know, in a positive way. These are like yes. pauses, oh, yeah. right? Very in- enjoyable yeah. dry corn, not sweet corn character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get a lot of uh, like almost toasted peanuts, um, hmm. cinnamon. Okay, I can see toasted peanuts. Cinnamon, yeah, maybe. Uh, but I would imagine that's the chocolate malt kind of playing with the smoke a little bit. Maybe as well. Uh, all our spirits across the board go into a heavy toast number two char. Okay. And uh, I find like a little bit more of like a cinnamon, bready, baking spice component that comes from the toast. Um, you know, and maybe I'm a little more sensitive to it, um, or it's what I look for or enjoy in it. 
Yeah. Um, and also worth mentioning, you know, all of our stuff, um, it's all sour mashed um, just to bring the pH down. But more because uh, are you familiar with the sour mash process before I just keep saying the word over and over again? Vaguely. Warren, yeah. are we? Have we talked about it on the How show? How about well, for smarter... our listeners? There you go. Let's okay. have you cover it. There we go. Not me. I don't know. Oh, no. Yeah. I totally know. So it's a, uh, well, it's a few things. It's a marketing term that's been blown up. <laughs> okay, right. It's like cold filtering? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's also a very traditional practice that has historically been used to lower the pH uh, on the way to ferment to make a more hospitable environment for the yeast to do its job. Um, we do it uh, in a lower volume. So what we're basically doing is uh, after a batch or two, um, when we do our first distillation on a pot still and the alcohol is more or less all out, what's left behind is this slurry of grain and liquid and pretty much no alcohol. It's referred to as stillage and it's quite acidic and we pull aside a uh, minimum 15 gallons per batch, and we dump that into our next mash. And what that's bringing is acidity, so lowering the pH. But more so for us, it's bringing a lot of dead yeast, which is good nutrition for live yeast. Um, and it's also a process that is just kind of fun to do. It feels right. It feels like, uh, you know, it's fun to honor these, like, old ways of making whiskey. Yeah. Um, and do you it, think it adds any particular flavor to the, the next finished yeah. product? Um, I would, yeah, in a sense, yes. We found that, uh, like, let's say we shut down production for a month. Mm -hmm. Well, we don't have any of that stillage or back set to use for a sour mash. So we have to start over again. And the first few batches, uh, or the first one for sure, has none. Mm -hmm. And what we found is that the flavor isn't drastically different. In fact, the flavor is almost not different. But if you compare the new make distillate running off the still at the best, you know, the hearts cut, what we would put in the barrel, uh, the the batches that do have the back set taste a tiny bit better. And if they taste huh. tiny bit better, we're doing it. You know, it's, it's sure. not so much work. So we're, we're going to do make it better. <laughs> yeah. And then you don't have to buy wa water adjustments for or acids or anything like that. Yeah. You know, adjustment. We're pretty close, you know, to the range of a proper fermented pH. And the back set doesn't do too much for us because we're not adding that much. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think a lot of times because we use some dark malts, that lowers the pH a little bit. Okay. Uh, sure. And, uh, yeah. Uh, in, in the whiskey world, um, there's a few guys, there's a lot of guys who come from a brewing tradition, but I wish there were more, you know. There's, there, there's a lot to be gained from knowing, you know, a lot about grain handling, formulation, and, and fermentation. And, you know, I think if, if home distilling was legal, we'd probably see a lot more uh, innovation and, you mm. know, and, and for that matter, people jumping in and doing cool things because they've had the experience versus... I want to right. be a distiller. Who wants to hire me? I have no experience. I've never distilled before. When yeah. you go to places like Kentucky or, or, or talk to more kind of traditional distillers, do you get the sense that that whole side of, of the industry sort of shuns, you know, brewer types who would come in and trying to do stuff different versus, I mean, you know, being traditional and, and respecting the tradition and, you know, not over-categorizing or, or, or expanding, expanding the horizon of a category like a bourbon? I mean, I think on the professional side, I wouldn't say that's really happening. There's not a lot of shining. There's definitely a lot of, you know, coming from Kentucky, there's a lot of pride in what they do, and mm -hmm. as there should be. They have a tremendous heritage, and, it, and it's it's beautiful. It's cool to see. It's it's neat to see their processes. Um, but they're definitely aiming for a certain thing. Uh, I've definitely been shunned online by bloggers. And <laughs> <laughs> you're like, beat it, home brewer. What do you know? Yeah. Your, your great-grandfather wasn't, you know, working at Jim Beam or wherever. no. And, and yeah, my great grandfather cares? was tending goat, dude. Who right. cares? Yeah. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Bloggers are stupid. Never listen to anybody online. I like fighting. 
They're all stupid. Well, then that's that's fine. That's look. That is a a a a, a valiant and well respected trade as as arguing online. But follow uh, Jason at Major Jip. That's true. Do that. <laughs> um, but well, I'm not a blogger. Oh. By the way, that uh, that uh, Lagunitas uh, Newcastle beer is terrible. Stay away from it. Speaking of blogger. Oh, okay. It's bad. Social commentary. Yeah, it's bad. Um, yeah. Anyway, I don't know. Keep 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 arguing with people online. That's for sure. I'm just curious, like uh, you know, if there is that respected tradition. Who are you coming in to kind of ruin the thing? I don't. I wouldn't say that you're ruining anything, but you're putting smoked oats and and chocolate malt into a bourbon. That's that's not really. Yeah. No, no, common. Yeah, it's not common, and I think there's a lot of support within the industry. Um, Good, and I think you know the consumer base is starting to figure it out and look for different flavors. So, yeah, it's gone well for us. I and I I wouldn't have called out the smoke character, but once you point it out, it it's just adds a nice layer of complexity to to the bourbon. I think. Yeah, yeah, definitely going for subtlety on that one. It's it's not like an Isla, you know, peat bomb or anything. Man, I, Bev's just flagging me down drastically like she's on fire. Apparently, we've been going for like 40 minutes right now, and this is oh. only an hour show. Ah. Oh. So we're going to take a quick break here right now, and um, we're going to pour some more whiskey. I don't know. We're going to try to... We haven't even got to the third one yet. I know. I think we might have to at the break. I think we might have to just sit here and kind of... Um, do shots. Do shots, yeah, and drain everything. No, maybe pick and choose a couple different ones to okay. do. I don't think we're going to get through all of them because, okay. I don't know, we're just talking. Yeah. So, anyway, everybody, it's Heads and Tails. We're here with Lenny from Deer Hammer in uh, Buena Vista, Colorado, or Buni, as uh, all the oh, townies like local? to call it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, hang on. This is uh, Heads and Tails. We'll be right back. Thanks for hanging out, everybody. We're back with Lenny Eckstein from Deerhammer Distillery in Buena Vista, Colorado. Colorado, I think is really what it is. All these uh, these brown liquors are looking the same, Warren. I don't know. You're stacking them all up in weird ways. These last two have a significantly different color. Oh, well, I don't know. I can't really see color, Warren. <laughs> Everything is just white, actually. <laughs> or black. Maybe it's just all dark. Maybe. Is that called being blind? I don't know. I think. Well, can you see any color or is it just all one color? It's all it's all gradients. Mm. I'm, I'm basically in a black and white film. Good for you. Thank you. Um, I think we're going to have to cut this a little short. We are running uh, kind of, you know, long here, Lenny, so I apologize. So I think we're going to jump around a little bit because you uh, very generously brought us a ton of stuff to drink. So I appreciate that very I like much. Jumping. I guess we like talking to you more than we, <laughs> we like drinking. That's right. Um, so I think what we're going to do is we're going to hit this hickory smoked whiskey, I think is the next. Tell us a little bit about this guy. Yeah. So uh, this is our swing on a traditional American corn whiskey. It's made with 100% Colorado grown corn, the same corn that goes in our bourbon. And uh, a corn whiskey goes, it can go into, uh, let's see, uh, used charred oak or new toasted oak, but it can't go into used charred oak. Uh, that's the government being awesome. Okay. All right. <laughs> cool. That's just the tradition. All so right. uh, it goes into our used malt barrels, and uh, 
We hickory smoked that corn for about eight hours in a custom-built oh, smoker lid. that I built shittily, but it works really well. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, yeah. So, you know, see what you think. It's kind of our swing on, mm. you know, almost like a, an Isla-style Lafroy 10, kind of, you know, a little lighter, but some cool smoke complexity. Yeah, it, it, it's definitely that sweet smoke uh, that you would expect from something that was, you know, hickory smoke, but it's very... Um, it's not overpowering like a lot of yeah. Islays can be, and I do like that that deeper sort of smoke, which I imagine is from the the wood, or maybe it's the the process. I don't know, but but it is. It's not just uh, that iodine kind of smoke thing that right. you get from from those Islay scotches. It's it's very deep and robust. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, which that, I appreciate. That, like you know that quality of like a phenolic nature comes from their peat, and they use peat, which is pretty much decomposed plant matter, mud, because they don't have any trees. <laughs> well, it also sounds better than mud smoking. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. They smoke mud. So, uh, <laughs> you know, we have trees, and this is like an American swing on it, so using something that's like a very American wood and synonymous with barbecue, that seemed fun to yeah. us. You know, there's, supposedly there's peat in Colorado, but I didn't feel like tromping around in the mud looking for it, and I'll let the, you know, the Scots do that. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. That's why they wear the, the skirt. Oh, they don't yeah. get the yeah, their pants <laughs> dirty. Um, this is very good. Yes, Bev, you should have maybe some of this. You like scotch? You don't want any? No, thank you. All right, I'm I, not fun today. I'm not fun. Today. You have your fun glasses on. They're like Barbie pink. They were just the only ones that were in my bag, <laughs> and <laughs> I needed to see. All right. Um, I ate a little too much Indian food, so I'm gonna skip out on the drinking. Really? Yeah. Well, I mean, you just take a sip. Yeah. All right. Wow, what a killjoy. Yeah. Have you met Bev? <laughs> yeah, I have. Okay, fine. I'm coming out. All right, there you go. <laughs> sometimes Bev is fun Bev, and sometimes Bev is grumpy, frumpy Bev. Today she's funny Bev with her weird pink glasses. <laughs> Barbie Bev. Don't you ever call me frumpy again. <laughs> I'm a Bev girl in a Bev world. Oh, that, I'm that grumpy, time. and I'm shitty. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, this is very good stuff, man. Thanks, thanks. It's very, yeah, it's, it's, it's sweet, but 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 with that, that smoke, the dryness comes through. Is there... Chocolate malt no. in here too? No, no. This is really? uh, our, in a sense our most simplistic grain bill. Just you know, all Colorado corn from Ute Mountain Farm down near Cortez, Colorado. And uh, you know, th- this is a weird one. How it came about? Um, you know, our, our other distiller, Nick Blake, and I, uh, we kayak a lot, and we thought about what do we want to sip on out of the bottle when we get off the river. You drink this out of the bottle. Oh, I drink everything out of the bottle. <laughs> I couldn't do that. There's no way. Oh, I could this take is a great. pull off of it. No, it tastes great. Don't get me wrong, but just pulling off a bottle, mm. I, I don't know, man. I can't. Uh, it it's burns too much, man. Well, no, that's, I mean, that's okay. Yeah, you're right. It's all you, glass. Have you right. tried it in a river? Well, I'm, well, I'm like like drying off on the bank of a river. Yeah. No, I have not done that. Maybe you can. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah, it's the, the atmosphere that you're consuming. Yeah, maybe. I, I really like the... Yeah. Is 100% of the corn also smoked, or is it a portion? Uh-uh. Yeah, it's a portion. Oh, okay. um, I suck at numbers. I want to say it's 15%. You can say that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Like I'll allow it. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. like it. The after, and it, It's smoky in the aftertaste, too, but not not inherently so. There's still some sweetness in there also. It carries through very well. Oh, yeah. I, it's not a lingering smoke to me. I would the... even say that it's smokier in the aftertaste. Hmm. Really? Yes, oh. for me, for my weird okay. palate. But yeah. not in a bad way. I th- you know what I mean? Like, it's the same level of smoke, but the sweetness kind of falls back. And it, mm. I don't know, I get more perception of smoke in the aftertaste, which I think is very interesting. I don't think I've really come across that. And I don't know what that is. Or... To, 
I've got theories on what it might be. And, right. uh, I'm no oh. scientist, uh, but I play one. And it, 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 we use traditional pot stills. I think that's a big part of our process. Mm-hmm. We like it. It's the old way of making whiskey. It's a tremendously inefficient way of making whiskey versus the more modern continuous slash column stills. Um, but that's how you make big, full-flavored whiskeys. Um, and then there's another component that I can't really prove, but we are at 8,000 feet above sea level. And as such, liquids boil at a lower boiling temperature. And the goal typically in distillation is on your final run to go you know, slow and controlled at the lowest temp possible. And I mm. think we get some really nice subtleties from that. Now, I, I can't prove that until I set up like a sister distillery down here or something. Right. But uh, and replicate everything. But you know, in theory, <laughs> it should have an impact. And we're okay. not huge on terroir, but I think that is our sense of place and you know what what contributes. The elevation more. changing just a little bit. Yeah. Enough so it sets you apart, I guess, yeah. or helps. I mean, look the. The smoked corn definitely will, you know, do that. Oh, but. yeah. What makes, that a, makes sense. a pot still less efficient? Uh, the, the, well, a lot of people describe it as uh, the cuts, uh, which is, as I'm sure you guys know, but uh, for listeners who might not, uh, we refer to the cuts as heads, hearts, and tails, which your show oh, uh, we should nods think, to. We should reference that in the show title. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it should be the show title is the explanation. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so, uh, you know, what pot stills do is, uh, you know, you, you still make that, that cut and you take the hearts, but people describe it as almost like a smearing between. So you get uh, more of a, a filthy or, or like kind of a gritty distillate that has more body and uh, I hate to say character. I, I've heard it once described as like a column still, which uh, yields more or less more product, but also, a, a, in a sense, a cleaner product described as an electric guitar, whereas the pot still is like an acoustic guitar. And, okay. and I don't play music, but I thought that was a cool description. All right. Okay. I play pot still. <laughs> I play a pot still. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah, I I really like that. Yeah. That's tasty. Oh, yeah. I would drink that in a river, and I would drink it here also. <laughs> out of a bottle. Yeah. <laughs> I'll drink it out of a bottle. Um, what's the next uh, spirit that we're tasting? Yeah. So uh, this next one is the very first release of our Progeny series, which we released last year and had very little, so we're going to release it one more time since nobody knew about it. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough, man. Progeny Volume 1. Yeah, I appreciate uh, that marketing. Yeah. <laughs> and, and what, what the Progeny series is all about is uh, you know, celebrating other Colorado producers that we want to collaborate with. And in this case, it was with Cultura Chocolate. Uh, they're a bean-to-bar chocolate producer in Colorado, in Denver. And what we did with them is uh, taste all of their single-origin chocolate bars, and we identified their Guatemalan single origin as being one that paired really well with our American single malt. So uh, we ordered like 40 pounds of Guatemalan cacao nibs roasted, and we dumped them into our freshly harvested single malt barrels. So no whiskey left in there. Dumped 10 pounds of cacao nibs in each barrel. Um, Added a little bit of whiskey to slush it up a little bit. And for two months, rolled those barrels around to let it really soak in and coat the barrel. What are you trying to do with that? Coat the barrel, not mess with the nibs at all? Yeah, well, so nobody puts cacao nibs in barrels. Right. Uh, You know, they put port in barrels and sometimes maple syrup, uh, you know, some other interesting things. Body parts, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But we wanted, you know, the the characteristics from these cacao nibs, which are really like, if you smell, there's a lot of cool raisin notes and, you know, sweetness and earthy notes and, uh, you know, some slight citrus. Uh, We thought it'd be a fun thing to experiment with, so we did. And after two months... Uh, we dumped out all of those cacao nibs from the barrel and filled them with two-year-old single malt, 
which sat in there for an additional year. So, okay. um, you know, uh, Guatemalan cacao nib finished. So you see what I'm saying, right? Like, what, what was the goal to to flavor the nibs, or was the goal yeah. to flavor the barrel? The goal was to flavor the barrel. And then, uh, okay. you know, we gave those cacao nibs back to Cultura. Okay. And, uh, was that something you were going to do from the beginning? Or, or when they came out, you're like, hey, do you guys want these? Uh, yeah, both, I think. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I can't All right. <laughs> I don't know why I, I don't know why I'm thinking about that, but just like the the kind of foresight in the project about yeah. what what you were going to do with these apples. You know, Did you find you, the cow nibs a good home? <laughs> right. Jason's yeah, really yeah. yeah. No, no, I, I follow you on that. Actually, that is what we did, and that, that we we look for interplay between barrels and other producers a lot. Okay. Uh, if we can give uh, a brewery or a cider producer or a mead producer, which we're working on now, a barrel or a bunch of barrels, we love to take them back and and try a finish on them. Uh, but in the case of this one, the Progeny Cultura, yeah, it's a cacao nib seasoned barrel, so it's a totally different finish on an American single malt. I don't know of anyone else doing it. And uh, I think it's pretty outrageous in a lot of ways. It's got some really cool complexities and you know, definitely different layers than our standard American single malt. Um, but worth mentioning, you know, Cultura, who we partnered with, did ultimately take uh, cacao nibs uh, that we had and then used additional ones, soaked them in an American single malt, and turned that into a chocolate bar that is made with your hammers single malt and we have that right here warren we're going to break open one of these oh, bars man. should we do uh batch number 18144 or 18145 uh i feel better about 44 yeah so do i we're gonna open the, um and just the the nose on this is great yeah i mean you know we we've had some some spirits with chocolate or, or at least chocolate notes but there's there is a different complexity and you know honestly if you if you haven't had cacao nibs haven't experienced the nib, which is then processed and then added back to make the chocolate bars, right. you really should because there is a citrus component. It tastes very different than actual chocolate, but there's chocolate notes, and that's kind of it. It is a very a different layer on uh, on uh, you know, right? What you're tasting. Just imagine the darkest chocolate you've ever had in a bar form. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. Well, and you know, cow 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 cow. Jesus cow, cow 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 nibs are having a like a kind of a renaissance or a sort of appreciation moment mm. in time in culinary time, right? Okay. Trader Joe's has a ton of, you know, 75%, you know, cacao wow. or whatever. But um, I like all of the percent. Give me 100%. I'd be happy. Yeah, I, I just eat. You want to offer Lenny some of his own freaking chocolate, dude? Bev, you want some chocolate? Yeah, come get some chocolate. Well, that smells that smells great, man. It's sm- I, I have I don't know what to do first. If it, should I drink or should I eat the chocolate? I'm just gonna drink first. I think drink first. They smell very similar. Oh, which is kind of cool. Like smell the chocolate and then smell the um, the whiskey. Yeah, smells cool. And it's nice that it's a chocolate. Wow. Th- or I should say, you can smell both the chocolate and the whiskey. It's not just like I have a right. cocoa in my glass right now. Well, and you can taste the the nibs too. Again, if you've tasted the nibs, they're, they're, they can be very tannic and very uh, you know t- tart, right? Oh yeah, very bitter. Yeah, and and not that this is bitter, but it has that tannin that kind of comes through. And and sometimes for me, whiskeys they kind of just sit around. You know, they're they're the the less sweet, I guess, of the of the spirits compared to bourbon. But uh, this it's almost like drinking a dry whiskey, but flavored with chocolate. If you can think of it like a like a wine, right? Like a drier yeah. wine versus a sweeter wine. To me, that's what this does. It it just throws a lot more tannins in there that would normally be in there, and kind of dries everything out. And the sweetness is on the sides. And yeah, is this that's the, delicious? This man. is the 
same single malt base. Yes. Of the first one. Yep. Same single malt base. It's uh, and, and worth mentioning. Um, you know, this one uh, it's currently still in barrels. Uh, we're shooting for September ish to re-release it, and uh, we're gonna try to send some out here outside of Colorado to California. We'll see how that goes. I feel like the, the uh, chocolate's good too, man. I feel like yeah, the, the chocolate or the, the the nibs in the bourbon or in the whiskey brings out a different kind of type of sugar flavor than what's in the the straight single malt. Mm, how do you mean? Like it's just accentuating different flavors, like more okay. of like the uh, less kind of like typical wood vanillins, and and has more of even like even though like with the cocoa nibs in you're not getting any sugar from like the cocoa butter, but it's right. it kind of has almost like a chocolate a perceived, bar. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sweetness. Yeah, and I guess I wonder if it's that's the, the sugar from the wood and the sugar from the malt helping you add mm. those kind of two and two to, in, in your head and make four and a half. Yeah. I like to think of it as magic. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so. it's, ma- it's definitely magic. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's really good, man. That chocolate is rad. First yeah, of all, yeah. that's a very good chocolate. Well, it, it is. And, and yeah, props wow. to Altura. Yeah. It's, uh, it's been really fun working with those folks. And, you know, it's, it, it, this in a sense does go back to just uh, a home brewing mentality where, you know, you look for flavors and you look at what you could bring. And, you know, putting cacao nibs in a batch of beer wasn't, you know, that, that was common enough. Yeah. Who seasons a barrel and whiskey? You know, like I, I'd love to see more innovation and, and departure from the standards. And while we do a port cask finished version of our single malt as well, which is very traditional. And yeah. I love doing that. It's fun doing these oddball stuff, uh, these oddball expressions. And, and that's what the progeny series is all about. So we've got one coming down the road as well. Uh, that's totally different. It's uh, actually, a, a, it's going to have to be called a hop flavored whiskey, but it, it's a distilled hop savant from Cricket State Brewery. So hundred percent Britannomyces fermented beer that we turned into a whiskey. So that's like later in the winter, but yeah, okay. cool stuff to come. We have we have some of that. Can we can we drink it? Yeah. We ha- let's let's, let's just try it, dude. Let's just try it. I didn't pour it at the break. I know you now, didn't, and now you have to pour it, and and we're all crying inside for you. But you'll be fine. So, do you work with um, <clears throat> sort of like craft cocktail bars? Oh yeah. Because I, okay, because a lot of the stuff what you're doing sort of is mirrored in craft cocktail bars, tiki bars, and all that kind of stuff. I, I would imagine there's a market for some of that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, you know, yeah, we definitely, we work with some really amazing craft cocktail bars in Denver, and uh, I've been out here meeting with folks, uh, you know, all, all over the uh, San Francisco area. Um, we're definitely stoked to be out here. Oh, God, we went to a place last night that was super cool. No, um, where was it? Zombie... Oh, yeah, zombie. I know what you're talking about. It's, it's relatively new yeah. kind of zombie tiki bar. Right. I haven't been yet. Yeah, yeah. Is it cool? I, it was cool. Right. Um, I got to say, like, Thank I, you, I totally Warren. saw what they you're were so doing. Welcome. Uh, it was one of the, uh, you know, you sit down and wait for your eyes to adjust, and my eyes didn't adjust, so I just I just asked them to make me uh, something with a lot of rum in it, and it was okay. delicious. All right. Um, but as it turned out, I, you know, I dropped them some sample bottles, and I just heard from across the bar, I know a deer hammer. Oh, nice. And uh, you know, they're... Uh, their bar manager used to work in Denver at a spot called The Kitchen, super respectable place. And he was, you know, reminiscing of all the things we've brought by him that they've tried and used oh, wow. in their cocktails. So, yeah, that made my night because we think of ourselves as like, you know, at, at, at most on the large side of small. 
Uh, <laughs> sure. Sounds terrible. No, that's good marketing, man. Yeah. I love it. Hey, but you yeah. know, to come out here to like a much bigger city and have somebody like I know you guys. That is pretty cool, man. Yeah, yeah. I, I think in this in in the industry you're in, uh, it can seem rather big, but the world is also very small at the same time. Yeah. So that is that's a good feeling, especially when you're in a new state. Right. That people already know who you are. You're like, yeah, I don't know. That's yeah. pretty cool, man. Yeah. yeah. Do. How do the, the bartenders and mixologists, as they like to call themselves. Damn, dude. I didn't yeah. know you were going to pull out the ology. I did. Iology. I ologized it. in Denver. <laughs> <laughs> do they appreciate when you come out with the more like unique things where it's already got chocolate in it? Or would, do they tend to prefer like they want the straight. Do they want to control it? And then they mix the flavors that they mm. want with it. Yeah. That, I mean, that's a good question. I, I think it really is like. Um, it's not that good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it would have sounded better if Jason asked. Yeah, me. don't pump them up too much, Lenny. No, it's very like uh, dependent on their oh God. I hate to say it, like devotion to their own craft, mm-hmm. but in a sense, you know, if they're tip, if they, if the bartender is going to make a Long Island iced tea, they could give a shit about our hickory smoked whiskey or or why our bourbon's different. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, a, a bartender or you know who's truly you know passionate about and dedicated to what they do, um, they're going to look for those things that are you know, outside of the ordinary, be it from a craft distiller or, you know, the big guys who put out some amazing stuff and maybe they scored a, a really cool single barrel or, or um, you know, I was just at, a, God, what's it called? A hard water? Strong? Hard water. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and they had, a, it sounds like they bought an entire barrel of St. George uh, straight bourbon, maybe the only barrel that's out right now. Wow. And it was delicious and so rad and like to have, you know, their, their uh, head barman or manager pour me a, uh, you know, a dram of that and just check it out. So I guess like in a rambling way of answering your question, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I think uh, <laughs> the bar- bartenders are stoked on it. It's, it's, it's fun. Cool. Yeah. yeah, I can see why, man. I mean, it's a good, uh, you know, the, the less you have to do behind the bar, I would also imagine with some of the more complex cocktails, mm-hmm. that's okay too. Yeah, I'd, I could definitely see it being a mixed bag, but yeah. I just want, I feel like some people would be like, oh, that's my job. How dare you! T- I have this. See this flare? <laughs> right. It shows that I pin. went to mixology right. school. Right. I will give you a blooming onion, but you do not give me a flavored. Uh, tell me about this. Um, the beer, the uh, the the spirit that I don't have in front of me. I forget what it's called. Oh, you yeah. do have it in front. Well, of it's, it's code name Progeny Crooked Stave. There we go. Okay. This is Progeny right. Number Two. Yeah, Damn. Progeny Number Two, Volume Two. We're not quite sure yet. It's um. Yeah, so uh, it's it's technically going to be qualified as a hop flavored whiskey, but hop flavored whiskey. All yeah, right, you know, Crooked Steve is known for producing beers that are fermented with Brettanomyces, and as uh, I'm sure you guys know, you know, standard strain of yeast used Saccharomyces. Brettanomyces is a totally different strain, known for lending you know funky notes, sometimes like sourish, but like kind of barnyard notes. Yeah, um, it, you know, very known in classic beers and uh, you know some really cool modern beers. Uh, and Crooked Stave's known for that. So their hop savant was a dry hopped Britannomyces fermented beer. And we took, uh, I want to say it was a 1,000 gallons. It was a long time, uh, well, five years ago. Um, we ran through our stills, made the proper cuts, ran it by them, put it in barrels. And uh, five years later, you're tasting a sample of what we uh, siphoned out of the barrel. This is del- dude, this is delicious. Yeah, and it's pretty high proof. I think it's like one twenty. I can taste it, yeah. I'm yeah, like, oh, my fire. God. Barrel strength. There's yeah. a lot of fight. Yeah, I add a little bit of... Um... A little bit of water to it, but it is it is like a sour whiskey, if that makes any kind of sense. Like a sour beer with mm-hmm. Brett, you get some of that citrus, some of that barnyard, but not really. But just some funk, some kind of generic, non-descriptive yeah. funk, but with 
And there were quite a bit of hops in this the beer. It works. Yeah. Or, I don't know. Like not a zillion much. IBUs. Oh, okay. <laughs> Something like that. Give or take. Yeah, yeah. This is delicious. This is really good. Yeah. It's like just the hop candy yeah. and herbal notes. Why is it not ready? Uh, <laughs> like, what, what, what's wrong with you? Laziness. Okay. I guess. All right. Because you said it's coming out in the winter. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, right. we got to get the the first one back out again, and then uh, a little bit of time. Mm. So I think this winter. Yeah. Mm. It's ready for me. I drink it all the time. <laughs> the barrel's almost gone. Yeah, man. I like, just put a little drop of water too mm-hmm. in there, and it, it opens up a lot more, a lot more approachable. And I think that for those of you who who drink sour beers, it's gonna be very familiar to you. Yes, you know, like a like a sour golden beer, or something like that. Mm-hmm. With the, uh, uh, this is really good. You and, know, I've got this concept. Uh, we'll see if I, I can motivate to make it happen. But yeah. there's a lot of distilleries, uh, at least in Colorado that I know of, that have taken beers and distilled them into more or less what we know as a whiskey. Uh, I'm trying to put together an event uh, codenamed the Great Beer Schnapp Off. Beer Schnapps being the uh, somewhat traditional name for distilled beer. Okay. And, uh, you know, just have kind of a throwdown. You know, like have a, a Denver event and everybody brings theirs and invite the media, let them vote on it. The winner gets like a WWF style <laughs> belt. And, uh, I, I think we're taking it with this one, but we'll see. I, you know, I think that's cool. I mean, I, I know there are there are places uh, just around the country that do a similar thing. I think Yazoo did that with a distillery in Nashville. That'd be cool just to be and make it a national thing if you can. I don't know if you yeah, can, yeah. right? But uh, that'd be that'd be fun. That'd be worth traveling yeah. for, Warren. Yeah, I I think definitely the the Brett specific ester and phenol profile carries through. Yeah, a lot. And and I still get some of some hop oil, a little bit of bitterness. Yes. Yeah, but I've had quite a few distilled beers at and even hopped whiskeys, and. Some Warren's are definitely terrible. Virtue signaling again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like the hop variety matters, and, and this, it, do, it really does. Yeah, and and this is you lucked out, I think, because yeah. whatever hop varieties and intensities they used, it's it's pleasant in this. Yeah, it's not yeah. yeah. I mean, hop varieties matter just in general, but especially yeah. in sour beer, they matter mm-hmm. a lot because yeah. they can be very whatever. But if you're going to take that and put it in a whiskey, I think they matter even more. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, what tastes good in beer doesn't necessarily taste good as a whiskey when it comes to hops. <laughs> right. Yeah, we pride ourselves on being like grain to glass, not sourcing other people's whiskey because we didn't get into this just to sell whiskey. We got in it to make whiskey. This being an example of one of the ones where it's, it's fun enough to partner with somebody else who did the, the hard work on the mashing and fermenting, and then we can take it and add a whole new dimension. So yeah. you know, every once in a while, we'll skip the hard work and uh, just kind of <laughs> <laughs> throw the bow on top. Man, that should just be your your uh, your business model moving forward. Just like, look, I'm not, I'm not doing shit. I will distill your beer, though. <laughs> And let's just partner up and just do that. And if you're looking for good beer, Crooked Stave is a pretty good place to end up. Yeah, man. Props That's true. Guys. That's yeah, true. Yeah. yeah. We consider ourselves lucky to partner with them on that one. Man, these are delicious. Yes. Thanks, these man. are good. I, I I really appreciate you 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 uh, you coming in to do this and, and bringing all these delicious spirits, man. And I'm excited for the premiere of Deer Hammer in California. Oh, that's right. Callback. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. You know, and... Uh, we did. Uh, you know, I've only been out here for a few days. Yeah. But uh, there are a couple shops that folks can pick it up out here in this area. Oh. Um, you want to shout them out? Yeah, for sure. Let's man. go. The, the, the first folks, uh, Craft Beer and Wine in Alameda. Uh, really good folks. They have a great shop. Uh, you can get our American Single Malt there, and uh, 
Ledger's Liquors just uh, brought in uh, our American single malt, our bourbon, and the hickory smoked whiskey. So they sh- that should be showing up next week. Nice. Yeah, there you go. That's in Berkeley. So on okay. University. That's right, man. Uh, look, if you're in that area, in that like like East Bay, or yeah. closer East Bay than whatever, Ledger's. Yeah, gotta go. They're actually we talk a lot about Monument. They're sister companies. Yeah, out here in Concord. So, uh, so there might even be some bottles that end up in Monument. Maybe I don't know how that works, but yeah, uh, yeah Ledger's is solid stuff, man. If so, look if if Ledger's buys it, you know it's legit. Mm-hmm. I'm just gonna say that right now. That's where I bought my rum fire worn at Ledger's right there. Oh, yeah, and they were the only place I could find with uh, the proper dry curacao. What, there's a proper one? Yeah, well, well, well I guess dry Curacao. Oh. <laughs> because of the normal Curacao is just like sweet okay. bullshit. But the Ferdinand, I think is what it is. The, I, like the dry Curacao, like the weird triangular diamond-shaped bottle. Yeah, I um, got mine at Total Wine. Well, look. <laughs> Closer, you, you, you know. You, you, blew, you blew the intent of what I was saying. Once. Sorry. Yeah, Ledger's right. is great. There you go. That's all right. Okay. <laughs> that's what I was saying, man. <laughs> Lenny, thanks a lot, man. And you can go to, what is it, DeerHammer.com. Yeah, yeah, DeerHammer.com, social media, at DeerHammer. Uh, All right. You know, I have a lot of fun with our Instagram page, Super Lazy on Facebook. But, yeah, check us out. No, dude, Facebook is stupid anyway. Super Instagram good. is where you need to be, man. Yeah, Come too on. Many Russians on Facebook. <laughs> it's too many Russians. That's right. <laughs> That's right. All right, everybody. We're going to get out of here. We're going to let you go. How about that? You have permission to leave now. That's right. I need to go see if I can catch the rest of the Sharks game. Oh, it's over. Oh, that's right. Um, also, if you're looking to, well, look, man, if you're looking to distill at home, uh, but, you know, of course, water and, and, and uh, essential oils and all that kind of stuff, because the other stuff isn't legal. Yeah. Or if you're outside the U.S., it might be legal. That's right. Go to PicoBrew.com. They have the Pico Still. Of course, you need a little bit one of their machines to run it, but the Pico Still is great. Their machines are all great. Everyone is great over there at Pico Brew. They want to help you make some solid spirits and beer at home. I'm just going to say it, because that's, I mean, who cares? Yeah. International listeners, buy a Pico still, and you can make gin. You can make all sorts of fun stuff like that. And but, if you're an international listener in Scotland, let me know where you're at, because I might be there in the next month. <laughs> that's right. Oh, yeah. There we go, Warren. Good yeah. job. Quick plug for myself. <laughs> that's right. I'm coming at you. <laughs> yeah. All right, everybody. Thanks a lot for tuning in. This has been Heads and Tails on the Brewing Network. And uh, I don't know. We're signing off. Review us on iTunes. Yeah, please do. Review us on Instagram. That'd be even better. (laughs) Right.